0: Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Aren't you glad that you live in a country that has a holiday called Thanksgiving? There are countries that don't have a holiday called Thanksgiving, and we do. I'm going to talk about gratitude today, praise the Lord. How are you doing with gratitude? Are you grateful? Praise God. I'm going to open my Bible to Luke chapter 17, you can do the same. I'm slow, so you'll have plenty of time. Luke chapter 17, I'm going to open with this scripture verse. I hope you had a good Thanksgiving. I hope you got enough to eat. That's one thing about living in America, it's a land of plenty. I hope you're not one of the, one of the families or one of the people that, that have a lack in that area. Uh, it is something that, that we're hearing more and more about. Luke 17 chapter 11, we're hearing more and more about. But um, I'm grateful for our nation. I'm grateful for what it stands for, for how it was founded, and um, 1711. Yep. Got it. Everyone there? Say amen. This is the story of the ten leper leper. <laughs> I almost said leopards. Lepers who are cleansed. Uh, verse 11, chapter 17. Now it happened as he went through Jerusalem that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. Then as he entered a certain village, there met him ten men who were lepers, who stood afar off. And they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. So when he saw them, he said to them, go show yourselves to the priests. And so it was that as they went, as they went, they were cleansed. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, he returned and with a loud voice glorified God. And he fell down on his face at his feet, giving him thanks. And he was a Samaritan. So Jesus answered and said, Were there not ten cleansed? But where are the nine? Were there not any found who returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, Arise, go your way, your faith has made you well. Heavenly Father, we give you thanks this morning because we acknowledge you as the God and creator of everything, our King and our Lord, the master of our lives, the giver of our breath, the carer of our souls. We magnify you and thank you. Father, uh, teach us. Give us a checkup this morning, Holy Spirit. Show us where we lack that we might open our lives to your fullness. Lead us and guide us and empower us supernaturally with revelation, with empowerment to do what you have called us to do and not just be hearers of the word only, but also doers. In Jesus' name, amen. So we've got this story, and this is a story that I want to introduce this topic to you with, this topic of gratitude of these ten lepers, and it makes it clear that one returned to give thanks. And as I meditated on this this week, I really, I found myself not being too hard on the nine that didn't return. I, I, I For some reason, I had a little bit of a sympathetic bent toward them. Uh, in thinking that, well, well, what, what was the situation? What was the circumstance? Can I find reason for them not uh, returning and giving thanks to Jesus? And as I thought about it, I thought, you know, their um, situation wasn't a lot different than our situation in life. I know that one of the biggest enemies that I find in doing the things that God wants me to do is kind of a lack of attentiveness, a lack of focus on him and his presence and that he's there. I find myself that I get caught up in the busyness of life, that I get caught up in tasks and things that I find to do and and many of those things are things he gives me opportunity to do. I thank him for the strength for those things and I'm sure you do too. You have busy lives and you're focusing on families and careers and a lot of different things and so I, I, my sympathetic bent thought, well, you know, these lepers, they were, they, as they were coming, he said, your cleanse, go show yourself to the priests. That's the process that they did if you're not familiar with it. In order, to, when you were a leper, you were segregated and separated from everybody. You were alienated from your family, alienated from your friends. Um, the only people you hung around with were other lepers. and And so... There's, I would think there would always be kind of a longing and kind of a wishing for your family. Maybe you would see them afar off and would be able to get near to them. And, and you wouldn't be able to integrate into the culture, into the society in a town and in a city. So there was a lot of alienation and a lot of rejection that was involved there. So I'm thinking, so now all of a sudden, maybe when he said you're cleansed, maybe I looked down and maybe my hands cleared up and and they weren't covered with, with leprous skin. And, and, and I would see that, and I would get excited. I, and I think that I would be maybe one of the nine in the moment where I would see that clear up, and I would think, oh, wow, that's great. I'm going to do what he said. I'm going to obey him. He said to go tell the priest. So I'm not going to do anything else. I'm going to write to the priest, and I'm going to tell him. And, and, what, you know, and I was thinking about what other circumstances might be set up that I wouldn't be one of the one who would go back and say thank you to Jesus. And so I'm thinking, well, I want to get back to my family. I want to get back to my kids. I want to get back to my wife. I want to get back into the community. I've got to get to the priest so I can be declared clean. I can't get back into the community until that happens. So I'm going right there and then then my laser focus would be on getting back into the community and saying, "Look, and I might even tell them, look what Jesus did. Jesus made me well he made me whole and 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 they would they would celebrate and i would be able to eat with people and i would be able to be with people and so so i'm thinking you know i'm not going to i'm not going to ding the nine too much i'm not going to criticize them too much because of their focus and because of their things that they had to go through and maybe some were lepers for a long time and maybe some were lepers for just a little while and so uh, depending on how long you were a leper, maybe I'm, I'm finally relieved that I can get back into society. And then maybe, maybe the next day or maybe a week later or maybe two weeks later or maybe a month later, it would occur to me, this is, this is kind of how my life is. It would occur to me, I'm glad Sunday comes around and, and maybe the next Sunday, maybe the next Sabbath, excuse me, they would think, man, I should go thank, I should go thank Jesus. I should go thank Him. And, and so like us, we okay sunday's here okay good let's let's go and then we're we have such great worship teams and they lead us in praise and so all of a sudden the weeks things that i should be thankful for come flooding in and i thank god but but there was one and it points out really clearly that he was a samaritan so he knew rejection too he he was an outsider in an outsider world i don't know how lepers behaved but maybe there was a bunch of Jewish lepers, and maybe they rejected the Samaritan leper. I don't know if there was levels of rejection there. But, but um, as a Samaritan and and being in that Jewish setting, being in in that cultural setting, um, maybe he, I don't know what what he sees Jesus, and Jesus says, um, "You are clean. Go and show yourselves to the high priest." and I don't know. I don't think the Samaritans showed themselves to those high priests. I think they were rejected and segregated from the Jewish community. I don't know who they would go show themselves to. But there was something, there was something established in the Samaritan that made him ignore what Jesus said and turn around and go back and thank Jesus. What was, what was present in the life of the Samaritan that made him the first thing that he would do go back and and thank jesus and um, that element of gratitude that he showed that the other nine didn't show showed that there was something present in him through the circumstances of life or through teaching or training or through through just just being i don't i don't know what it i don't know what it was for him exactly for him, but as I began to think about it, I began to think. Well, what kind of things stand in the way of you and me being grateful? Of you and me having gratitude? You and I having gratitude? Uh, uh, what stands in the way of that? And, and because certainly we see in life, we see in our relationships, we see even within our families that some people have gratitude and some do not. There are a lot of ungrateful wretches in our country And I don't know, well I do, I've thought of a few things that that hinder gratitude, that stand in the way of gratitude, and, and I've come up with three, but I've thought of something else before I do that, that gratitude isn't a thing you do, I mean it is displayed by what you do, but gratitude is more a fruit of what's inside of us than it is a thing deposited in us. And I'll develop that in a minute. But it's something that shows from our lives from something that is present. It's something that is on display in our lives from something that we've, that we've nurtured. So let me, let me move on and that will become clearer to you as I go. So I looked at these three things and these are the three things I come up with. The first hindrance to gratitude that I thought of as immaturity. Immaturity. Now, immaturity is primarily a thing that's associated with age and experience. <clears throat> but don't say who it is. How many of you know immature people that are in their 50s and 60s? Don't, don't answer. Don't even say amen. Just think about that a minute. Immature people. They, they're not... They're not, for instance, with gratitude. They're not ungrateful on purpose. You don't sense that, that they've decided to be ungrateful. They're not ungrateful for any other reason other than that they just haven't given it any thought. Nobody suggested it to them. They weren't, they weren't taught that when they were a child. or when they were, I think of it as, I think of immaturity because I think I remember me. I remember when I was a kid. I remember I remember a couple of Christmases there, and we, we grew up in a one-income, 1960s, 70s, 80s family. No, 1960s, 70s family. I graduated in 73, so I wasn't in that family as a kid then. But 50s, 60s, 70s, we grew up in a one-income family. My mom and dad did a great job of providing and supplying... Um, but there, there wasn't, there wasn't extravagance, there wasn't extras, but there was no sense of being poor. There was no sense of having a lack. My mother was an amazing woman, and she could, she could make a meal for all seven of us. Yes, there were five kids and two adults in a one-income family. That woman could could stretch a can of Campbell's soup farther than anybody I know. She could take a pound of hamburger and feed. All seven of us with it somehow i don 't know what else was in there, but it tasted okay and so you know, casseroles and spaghettis and all those things and i was I was always a plump child. I never remember being skinny until I graduated from high school for some reason, something kicked in but but um, I do remember that i I just they taught us a lot of things, but i don 't remember. Um, I don't remember being trained to be grateful, and so I was naturally ungrateful. I was—I uh, remember Christmases where I wasn't happy with what I got, and I would pout. And <clears throat> many children pout when they don't get what they want. Amen. Oh, yeah. And and so we train them, we teach them, we instruct them, we tell them, um, honey, buddy. What in the world, what in this life has communicated to you that says you're on a pedestal? Maybe, maybe, maybe mom did. Maybe dad did. Maybe you, maybe you wrongly communicated to your child that they belonged up on a pedestal high and lifted up with their train filling the temple and everybody thinking how wonderful they are. But, but that's not good teaching. That's not good training. Care and, and, and um, love... Involves training. First Corinthians thirteen eleven says, "When I was a child, I spoke and thought and reasoned as a child, but when I grew up, I put away childish things." And but when babies cry, it's because something's usually something's wrong, or a wet diaper, or a hungry belly, or or a pain, or a discomfort, or or and then maybe as they as they go, they they just love the attention. I know. Um, I know there, Deb and I got an education as kids, raising a kid that um, um, Kristen's uh, sister, she liked to be rocked to sleep at night, and Deb was happy to do that until the rocking took on a life of its own, and she wouldn't go to sleep unless she was rocked for hours on end, and, and that became difficult, and she had to be taught and, and trained a little bit But Paul says, when I grew up, I put away childish things. And and that's a requirement. And I remember different times in my life when I... I would have to say, especially at one time in my life when I was a teenager, oh, I'm just so embarrassed of my life when I was a kid. I just am embarrassed by it. I remember as a teenager that I had accepted the Lord. And I was was trying to be a Christian. And... um, my folks attended church occasionally and they were they were good people and all of that and they taught us right from wrong but but when i accepted the lord i did it as a teenager during the early 70s and the revival that moved through our area at the time and i was really trying to be good but but and that's why you got to be patient with your teenagers as they learn these things but i remember that i was I remember one time I was unhappy with what was going on at home and I decided to run away. I was going to run away from home. I was 15 or 16 or something and I was going to leave because I just had to embark out on my own and the Lord was heavy on my life and strong on my life. And, and so I left a note that I was running away and I got into my dad's car and I drove off. It wasn't his main car, it was the extra car, and it was the car I used, but it didn't occur to me that there was something contradictory about that, because I was immature. And I drove off, and they got home from work, and they, my, my, I don't know where my mom was, and they saw the note, and my mom called around my friends, and is Steve there? No, is Steve there? Found out where I was at one of my friends. And I came home, and my mom said, Your dad wants to talk to you, and he's in the bedroom, and it was dark. I don't know. It wasn't, I don't know what time it was, but it was dark, and he was in bed. And I went in, and he went down a list. He says, You know, this new religion you have, that's all great. He says, But you talk back to your mother, you don't pick up after yourself. When we ask you to do things around here, you don't do it. You know, I think it's great all what you found, but, but your life isn't lining up. And, and that, that came down on me. I know God did this. I know this was, I know he communicated to me just the reality of that. You know how you can tell your teenager, pick up your clothes, and they go, yeah, yeah. And you, you're thinking, well, that didn't get through, but we'll keep at it. That just came smashing down on me, smashing down on me. Not the weight of them nagging me, but the reality of it. <clears throat> what an ungrateful wretch I was. And I went out from his room and I walked outside and I walked, and he didn't say, You're grounded, or he didn't say, You know, he didn't sp- swat me or hit me. But he said, you just need to get a grip on reality a little. And God weighed in on those words. And I walked out and I walked down the street and I cried. And I I didn't cry much then as a teenager. And I cried because the reality of it. And there is an immaturity that doesn't allow... The fruit of the things that are going on around bring a reality of gratitude. There isn't a person in this room that should not be brimming with gratitude. Teenagers, young people, this will come to you as you allow it to, as your parents teach you and train you, that you should be, you should be brimming with gratitude to your parents for them not aborting you, number one for clothing you number 2 for feeding you number 3 especially you boys you eat so much <laughs> the people around you the teachers in your school the 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 parents of your friends whatever it needs to be planted in you you as you learn these and as you develop these and as you practice these things let the fruit of gratitude spring forth from you because it will bring it will bring life to you. So the first hindrance, the first enemy of, of, of uh, gratitude is immaturity. Another big one, and, and this is so big today, this is so big today, is, 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 the, is the enemy of entitlement. It's so thick you can cut it with a knife. Here's, here's some scripture. Matthew 18. Verse 23 through 35. Matthew 18, 23 through 35. Follow along with me if you'd like. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven can be compared to a king who decided to bring his accounts up to date with servants who had borrowed money from him. In the process, one of his debtors was brought in who owed him millions of dollars. What does your bible say? 10,000, bags. 10,000 talents, right? 10,000 bags, of gold. 10,000 bags of gold. Who 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 has a bible that says 10,000 talents? Okay, good. Bags of gold, millions of dollars, talents. He couldn't pay, so his master ordered that he be sold. Along a, Aren't you grateful? Yeah. For bankruptcy. Instead of prison. And or slavery. (laughs) He couldn't pay, so his master ordered that he be sold along with his wife, his children, and everything he owned to pay the debt. Where's my note? I've got a note here. It says that 10,000 talents was worth 375 tons of silver. One source said that this amount would have been almost the cost of running the kingdom of that king for one year. That's how much he owed. I'm going to talk about that in just a second. But that's a lot of money. But the man fell down before his master and begged him, please be patient with me and I will pay it all. And then his master was filled with pity for him and released him and forgave his debt. But when the man left the king, he went to a fellow servant who owed him a few thousand dollars. When I looked At the dollar amount that was equal to today's money, it was like a month's worth of wages. He grabbed him by the throat and he demanded instant payment. His fellow servant fell down before him and begged for a little more time, be patient with me and I'll pay it, he pleaded. But his creditor wouldn't wait. He had the man arrested and put in prison until the debt could be paid in full. When some of the other servants saw this, they were very upset, and they went to the king and told him everything that had happened. Then the king called in the man he had forgiven and said, You evil servant, I forgave you that tremendous debt because you pleaded with me. Shouldn't you have mercy on your fellow servant just as I had mercy on you? Then the angry king sent the man to prison to be tortured until he had paid his entire debt. Let me think about that a minute. I owe you millions of dollars, so to solve it, you're going to put me in prison, strap me to the rack, whip me, cut me, and torture me until I pay it back? Weird. Anyway, that's what my Heavenly Father will do to you if you refuse to forgive your brothers and sisters from your heart. So, when I read this, I thought, that guy is kind of the picture of entitlement. He is so unaware of his surroundings and so focused on himself that after he was forgiven millions of dollars, millions of dollars, what was in him? Oh, Weight of the world off my shoulders. I'm free. Hey, wait a minute. Bill owes me $1,000. I'm going to go over there and get it from him. What is going on inside of a person that they are so focused on themselves that it does not actuate mercy in their heart for someone else who's in the same position toward them? It's entitlement. It's the currency of the world today. I don't know. I watch TV. I don't know if you do or not. But I know that there's commercials there. And I haven't seen any in a while because I notice them when they come on because they make me gag. (laughs) Commercials that say, especially the the new lawyer commercials, Get what you're entitled to. You should get what's coming to you. You need to get yours. I mean, are you aware of how that message is so dominant in our culture today? You deserve more. You deserve to get this. And I, every time I hear that, I cringe. You know why? I'll just jump off and jump back on. You know why? Because of what Jesus did for me that I did not deserve. You know what I deserve as a sinner in this world? I deserve death. The wages of sin is death. You know what I deserve? I deserve to pay for my own debt. That's what I deserve. I deserve, I I think I should get what's coming to me. Don't say that. Don't say that. If you say that, and you think it's a positive thing, then check yourself before you... Amen. Because you don't deserve mercy. You don't deserve grace. You don't deserve one patient minute. You deserve death, because the wages of sin is death. And I think... Anyway, I could get tangled up in that, but... Here's this man who turns around, is totally unaware. He's so self-absorbed, so self-focused. He sees everything from how it will affect me. How will this affect me? How will this prosper me? How will this hurt me? How will this hinder me? And that's the song of today. That's the music of today. It's not do unto others as you would have them do unto you. It's do unto others before they do it to you. Or do it to others so they can't do it to you. And it's contrary to the Word of God. It's, it, we're living in an entitlement age. And that's what this guy suffered from. He suffered from Entitlement. Thoughtless, self-absorbed, and ungrateful. But gratitude is a fruit that grows from a healthy tree. And ingratitude is the dead fruit from a dead tree. The third hindrance to gratitude I want to mention today, and and as I was thinking about these two, I was thinking it's not only just a, um, a positional thing or a thing of understanding of yourself and the world around you. But it's, it, it, each of these three kind of applies to an age group too. The immature are young. They need to learn. And learning is the antidote to immaturity. To instruct and to correct and to learn. Entitlement is a place where we come to especially you know, if you got a college degree or if you worked hard and worked your way up or if you put some sweat into something, we begin to, and there are things you deserve. I mean, I mean I'm mean, i not saying that there aren't things we deserve because if you, if you work hard, you deserve a return on that. If you invest, you deserve a return on that. There are things mechanically, but entitlement is kind of that middle place. The middle place where we've left childhood and now <clears throat> are entered into an adult life. And the third one that I'm going to talk about could kind of be an application to those of us who are getting older. And this enemy to gratitude is bitterness. As you go through life, as you wrestle with the things of life, and as you find that some things go good and some things don't go good, there is a temptation to bitterness of those things that don't go good. There's a temptation of something getting in there where now a wall or there's a construction built that holds a negativity, kind of a negative charge, if I can can compare that to bitterness, that doesn't allow gratitude in, and and maybe it's just an area of your life, but doesn't allow gratitude in in a wide and deep way. Hebrews 12.15 says, Look after each other so that none of you fails to receive the grace of God. Watch out that no poisonous root of bitterness grows up to trouble you, corrupting many. The enemy is at work to wound, to disable, and to kill your spirit. His weapons are offense, unforgiveness, envy, jealousy. He uses all of these weapons To sow a seed and a root of bitterness so that gratitude isn't a fruit that's deep and wide in your life that allows elbow room for the Holy Spirit to work. I loved our worship this morning. We, We sang a lot of thankful, gratitude songs, thanking God and praising Him and being appreciative of what He's done. But the antidote to bitterness is perspective. The wounded is focused on his or her own hurt. And if you're, I don't care what age you are, but if you're focused on your hurt, if you've got a wound that you're focused on, if you can turn your focus away from that hurt, away from that disruption, away from that bitterness, and turn your focus and your perspective on Jesus, and look Him full in the face, he can deliver you from a root of bitterness. He can deliver you from those things that stand in the way of gratitude being that, being that elixir that fills your life and fills you with joy. Hebrews 12, 1 said, Therefore we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. And here's that picture. Looking unto Jesus, changing our perspective, taking my eyes off this, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of, our, finisher of our faith. What did he do? For the joy that was set before him. What was the joy? The joy as he was moving, uh, moving to Golgotha. The joy that he was looking to. Uh, he wasn't looking at the nails. He wasn't looking at the, his feet being nailed. He wasn't looking at the blood going down. The, the writer of Hebrews said that he looked, looked to the Father for the joy that was set before him. What was the joy? Victory. Heaven. Setting all of mankind free from sin who would call upon his name. For the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. He rejected, despised the shame. And the end result? That he's now set at the right hand of the Father. That's what it says in Hebrews chapter 12 1. Gratitude is the fruit of a healthy spirit. And if we're doing a checkup this morning, then let's do a checkup. Let's ask ourselves, have I learned gratitude? Maybe the environment that I grew up in was an ungrateful gratitude. Maybe it was an environment of grumbling and complaining. Maybe it was an environment of never never having enough. You know, here's a thing, here's an interesting thing. There are rich people who are ungrateful. There are wealthy people who don't have gratitude in them. There are people who never had a sick day in their life, and they're not grateful. There's no gratitude there. So it's not, well, if I were healthy, then I would have gratitude. If I were wealthy, then I would be grateful. If I had everything that I ever wanted, then I would be grateful. It is not true. Gratitude doesn't come with the accumulation of things or position or anything like that. Gratitude comes from opening your heart to the kingdom of God and letting His Spirit in. And there's unbelievers that have gratitude too. But it's fruit of a healthy life. Fruit of a strong and and healthy life. Lay aside immaturity. Lay aside entitlement. Lay aside bitterness, and embrace gratitude for the life and all that God has done. Bow your heads with me, will you? Heavenly Father, right now, in this Thanksgiving season, right now in this time, Father God, where we're encouraged by a date on the calendar to be thankful. Lord, I thank You that Your people, when they see in the news that some people are encouraging people to bring up topics at Thanksgiving dinner that'll poke them in the eye and that'll raise up an argument of politics, Lord, that we reject that. We reject division. We reject, Lord, those things that are present to keep gratitude from taking full bloom in our lives. Lord, for those in this room, Father, who say, man, I was, never, I was never taught to be grateful. I was never taught to have gratitude. For those who would come under that heading of immature, not having learned those things, Lord, I confess my ignorance. I confess my lack of practice. I confess that I don't have those tools or didn't get those tools. And Lord God, I open myself to being grateful to you, and to practice gratitude to you day by day. Lord, I pray for those here today who are trained, who are raised, and who live in an atmosphere of entitlement, where the media, where news, where advertising, where everything tells us, you deserve this, you deserve this, you deserve this. Lord God, I thank you that you came to dwell in our hearts and to show us that there's one that we can be thankful to in any situation, in every trial, in every difficulty. Paul said he learned to have much and he learned to live a grateful life and a happy life and a full life with little because that's not what it depends on. And so, Lord, I speak to that spirit of entitlement and I say, die in Jesus' name. Die in Jesus' name. Give us eyes to see and ears to hear of those around us, Father, so that when we're forgiven millions of dollars, 400 tons of silver, that we are quick to release anyone who is in debt to us. And that story, Father gives us such a direct lesson of how we should forgive everyone because you forgave us so much more. And Father God, I speak to bitterness. And I say, bitterness? Stop in Jesus' name. And I say, life, come forward from that dead ground. Raise from that grave of death (coughs) in life and in strength And in gratitude, Lord, we are grateful. We are grateful to you for our lives. Lord, for every person in this room, those who have lack and those who are in abundance, those who are walking in total health and those who are struggling with something, this or that. Lord, we bring every need to you and we thank you for your supply and provision. But Lord, aside from that, we are grateful to you. When I, when I struggle with finances, Lord, I, I, I know I can always find someone who's struggling more. When I'm struggling with my health, Lord, I know there are those who are struggling more. And Lord, that's a lesson toward gratitude, Father, to compare ourselves to others. But Father God, comparison isn't the solution to this. The solution is surrender to you. Surrender of our hearts to you. We magnify you and praise you. Right now with your heads bowed and your eyes closed, I wonder if there's someone here who, who's saying I, I've never felt or sensed that I have strength to overcome these things, either immaturity or 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 entitlement or bitterness, but I I need help and I've never surrendered my life to God and accepted his Wonderful, wonderful gift of eternal life by His Son. And I'd like to today. I've never done it before, but I'd like to today. Pastor, pray for me. Lift up your hand if that's you. If there's someone in here who's never done that. Someone in here who's never done that. Lift up your hand. Let me pray for you. Good. Good. Praise God. And now with your heads bowed and your eyes closed, is there someone in here today who would say, thank you, Pastor, for reminding me I was struggling with a little bit of ingratitude and you've reminded me of how much God has done for me and I want to live for Him. I want to be more grateful and I want to be more alive. Just lift your hand up. Lots of hands. Mine's up too. Lord, make me mindful moment by moment and day by day. I magnify you and I thank you for the joy that you've given me. I praise you and I thank you in Jesus' name. Stand up with me, will you? And they're going to put on the screen a scripture verse that we're going to recite together. Today is Recite Things Together Day. Okay? Put that slide up for me, will you? Oh, good, it's in verses. Okay, let's go. Say this together with me. Make a joyful shout to the Lord, all you lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before His presence with singing. Know that the Lord, He is God. It is He who has made us and not we ourselves. We are His people and the sheep of His pasture. Enter into His gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful to him and bless his name. For the Lord is good, his mercy is everlasting, and his truth endures to all generations. Lord, we praise you, and we thank you, and we magnify you for your goodness in Jesus' name. Prayer team, would you come up here? There might be someone in here who wants someone to pray with them for something, a healing Um, um, a family situation, a difficulty or trial you're going through, uh, a a situation that is beyond your ability and beyond your control. (coughs) If anybody dedicated their life to the Lord and you didn't raise your hand, but you want to pray with someone and have information, go over here where Sam is by the uh, prayer banner there. When I pray, you can consider yourself dismissed. Have a great day and a great week. If you want prayer, head up this way. Heavenly Father, we glorify you with grateful hearts, with hearts full of gratitude for you. We give you thanks for our lives and all that you have for us this week. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Thanks for coming today.